Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Keith, I like to mention past guests before, you know, I'm going to introduce Keith Westman of Otis in a second, but past guests, people could check out. We had uh, David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of the EMeth. Always mention those ones. There's some, so a D. Clevett talks about processes and systems. Um, and there's so many more. So check out the, the podcast. Um, and this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. If you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over, there is a better way. There is a solution. Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And Keith, and I was talking to one of the owners, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations. We actually had them on the podcast because I was fascinated to see what are these life and death situations, but they walked me through how it has helped them. So you can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your time, your team's time, so you can grow the company and focus on that. And there's a 14, uh, free 14-day trial, which is no credit cards required. Go to sweetprocess.com. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. I am excited to have today's guest, Keith Westman. He's a COO of Otis. Uh, Otis is actually a Chicago-based ed tech company that replaces dozens of tools that schools use each day with a single system, just one system. You know, these days, Keith, anything that creates simplicity is a must, okay? We have too much chaos, too much complication. We need simplicity. So this actually is one single system. He spent half of his professional life as a K-12 teacher and administrator and has spent equal time working at tech. We actually are practically neighbors in Highland Park. It's a small world. Keith, for, thanks for joining me. Yeah, really nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. And uh, it is always a small world. I wanna talk about you know your experience um, as a third grade teacher and middle school principal and how that led you to COO, but first just tell people, give people a little overview of Otis. So the problem that we're trying to solve at Otis, and this is something that the spotlight was uh, certainly shown during remote learning, is that teachers and students are using a dozen or more different ed tech tools in order to do their jobs. They use one thing to grade, another thing to take attendance, something else to track behavior, another tool to, uh, I don't know, um, send messages to parents. So there's all these things that they're using and it causes a lot of chaos for everyone. So what, what uh, we're trying to do at Otis is how can we replicate what all of those different systems do and just have it happen in one place. And the beauty of that is people are more efficient. But the other thing is you have access now to real-time data into what's happening in your schools without having to worry about connecting all of these systems. So interestingly though, is as I was sharing with before we started, Otis was born at a middle school, not too far from where uh, Jeremy and I are sitting. So homegrown and good old HP. It kind of goes into probably some of the things you experienced as a third grade teacher and, and principal, but 
Um, what was it that initial inkling? Why did they create it in the classroom to begin with? What was the what were the early on pain points that they were solving for? So they were awarded a grant by the District 112 Ed Foundation. This was back in 2012 or something, where that grant was going to pay for each student in their class to get their device. Now, all kids have devices given to them by school districts now uh, pretty routinely, but back then it was novel. And so when they got these devices for each one of their kids, they assumed that kids were gonna be super engaged in learning. They were gonna be more efficient as teachers. Parents were gonna have these wonderful insights into what was happening. And what they realized is half the class was literally spent logging into different things. Nothing was interconnected. The data gathered from all of these different platforms they were using never came together. So it was really impossible to see kids as holistic people. And so it was like, let's solve this problem. So similar to how the medical industry has a, a health medical, like a medical record, a digital medical record, there really is nothing like that in education. And so that's what we're trying to do. So there's a lot of COOs that, that listen and they love hearing about what other COOs are doing. What were some of the experiences? Think back, we could maybe separate out third grade teacher, middle school principal, because I'm sure those are very different uh, yeah. things that you were doing. Very what different. about the third grade teacher part do you think helps you as a COO or taught you about being a better COO? You know, I think the most important thing that it taught me is that uh, other people do not share my personal background and experiences and opinions and beliefs and ways of doing things. Um, what do you mean when, by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. Yeah. Uh, when you're a classroom, I'm a Caucasian male. I only speak English. All right. Here I am, a third grade teacher, where most of the students don't look like me, and actually most students don't look like one another, just a very diverse student population. Um, we were doing a lesson on math, in, in math, and, and uh, some story problem, but I use the analogy of building an ice cream sundae, okay? Because to me, everyone knows what an ice cream sundae is. Everyone has gone through the process of building one. And so as I'm talking, I see that the, the interest and engagement in my kids' faces is slow, slowly leaving their body. And I, I asked them, I said, how many in here have built an ice cream sundae? Zero hands went up. And as a young guy, that was my first time that I realized the life experience that these people are coming to me with each day are not the same as mine. And oh, I didn't realize that. I, I thought that people just lived like I do. So I think that perspective taking the ability to be empathetic and, and truly kind of meet people where they're at is one of the most important early on lessons I learned as a third grade teacher uh, that are applicable to life as a COO. And I guess the, uh, the other obvious thing is just multitasking and doing a million things at once, all of which are important and <laughs> trying to prioritize. Certainly you learn that as a teacher. What was the toughest part about teaching third grade? Um, Cause you say there's a lot of, you know, you're, you're managing a bunch of things, which is similar to see, Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, tough. I, I didn't think it was tough because I enjoyed it. Uh, so I just did it because I, you know, it was, it was just part of the job. I think, I think that one of the biggest challenges is our, is, you know, what's interesting for teachers is teachers have 
periods of the day when they have students in front of them, right? I mean, they're doing the things that we think teachers do, which is teach kids. But little do people realize that there is a to-do list of 15 things that have to get done by teachers every single day. And you have to get that list done when kids go to lunch, before school, after school, um, when kids are in music class. Well, oftentimes things get added to that to-do list and, you know, you have to get that stuff done. So getting the, the kind of the operations of being a teacher done during uh, finding time to do that when you're, when you're, primary job of teaching kids also has to get done as a challenge. So when you hear a teacher saying they're overwhelmed and we have a lot of things, it's because they are, they have their job to do and be prepared for. And then they have all the tasks to do and they're not really given much time to get those tasks done. So that's where things start flowing beyond the, you know, the, the traditional school day. Yeah. I feel like Keith, you have a book, you know, there's a book, all I need to know. I learned in kindergarten. You should, yeah. you should be like the ice cream effect. And how no maybe, one's I, different. I, I, I don't know, something like that. Maybe you can but, be a ghostwriter. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm interested. So we talked about the ice cream Sunday. I love that story. What was something as a COO that you, you, were, you went into explaining something or doing something and you had to change how you did things because you saw people had different perspectives? Maybe it was you were implementing, maybe it was onboarding. Yeah. What was? Yeah. Uh, the best example is just scaling a business. So, when uh, Otis is the second ed tech, com ed tech company that, that I've worked at, um, the one before, uh, you know, we were a small team and then it grew over the years and then we sold it. Um, but when I face this every time we're scaling a department or a team or whatever. Uh, as an early employee, as a, a CEO, COO of a company with six people and you're just the COO because why not? You have a lot of responsibilities as you scale, as you bring in a sales team, as you bring in a marketing team, as you bring in a finance team, the things that you used to do, you no longer should be owning so that you can have the people who are hired to do it, need to do it. So one of the lessons I learn every day, literally every day is just because I think we should be doing a marketing campaign to this type of user and do it in this type of way, and it should start in two days, doesn't mean that that's what the team thinks is best based on their data. So, um, so for me, the ability to slow down and listen to other perspectives and have my mind changed based on their view of the situation is very similar to me reading the room of third graders who are not on my same page and having my mind change saying, I gotta do something differently in order to keep going in the right direction. Um, so those are examples. And, and th those happen again every day where it's like, I say, hey, let's do this because of whatever. Uh, and, and I've really had to make a concerted effort to, to just listen and, and stop talking. My wife's grandpa gave me probably the best piece of advice I've ever heard. And it was never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. I like that one. He's a Harvard grad, Harvard law grad. And that's what he, that's what he shared. Um, but again, it's all the idea of uh, listening and perspective taking, I think. I love it. Tell me about um, how you navigate that as a leader. So 
let's say this marketing campaign, you're like, we need to launch this in two days. The data from the marketing team says something different. Walk me through, do you have yep. like an all hands meeting? What, how do you navigate yeah. that? So, yep, it's great. So what I would do is I would pull a team together and I would say, so here's what, I'm not gonna focus on the what we need to do. Let me focus on why we need to do this. So here's why. What we know is that a law changed in Idaho. They are, they've passed a bill that will literally fund the purchase of a software like Otis. So that's, if we can make that known and get Otis top of mind to people in Idaho, that's a good thing for us. If I can tell them what has happened, that is like the why we need to do this. And then if I can say, now you do the what, you worry about if it's Twitter, Facebook, email, cold calls, I don't care. Um, that's what I'll try to do. That, that's what I hope to do. So if I can focus on the why and let, let the team be responsible for the what, uh, usually that, so gotcha. that's what I did in this case. You know, I, it's like, you know what? I don't need to come at you with the what to do. Let me tell you why we need to do it. And you figure out the what. Yeah, you focus on the why, and, and then when, when you're focusing on the why, you are demonstrating why there is an urgency and why we need to do it in two days. And they may go, well, we can get the emails done in two days, but if we're going right. to do this direct mail campaign, that's going to take three weeks. You're like, cool, exactly. release the email. So they'll figure out the what right. and, and basically come up with the solutions, but you're giving them kind of the, the background so that they know why this is a urgency. Yeah, and the autonomy to make their own decisions, and, and that's what really everyone wants everyone wants to control their own destiny at work uh and in life but especially at work and that's one way to do it so i want to go back to the evolution of the coo which is when you were at the the company and you scaled up because there may be people listening right now like that sounds amazing keith i want to scale up my company so i'm wondering your role as a coo as let's go back to that six-person company yeah what are some of the team members or departments that you started to bring on to remove yourself from different functions at that point? When I first got to Otis, small team, um, uh, the co-founder, one, one of the co-founders and, and me were, were uh, so he was still working full-time as a teacher. Um, so I was doing the prospecting of sales, the, the uh, doing sales demos, closing sales. And when we'd make those sales, onboarding new clients, supporting, supporting new clients, sending out invoices, uh, you know, doing the mark, just doing all of like the business operations type stuff, not, not any of the development. Um, so as we started growing, we started just slowly transitioning one of those responsibilities to another person. So now we have someone that's going to do the training and that ongoing mm. support. And then as we grew, then now that person's going to have more people that are going to do people that are going to do the training. What was the order, gonna, Keith? You know? um, I'm wondering, because you yeah. are a very systems oriented. So I'm wondering what you decided to choose to get off your plate first. And first what was order. client services, onboarding and training of, of clients. Mm -hmm. uh, second was sales. Third was marketing. And then finally was uh, finance operation, you know, like the, you know, the, the, just the, the, the accounting and finance yeah. of the company. Cause I imagine you were feeling 
um, that you were doing whatever you felt was the most important thing at that moment to do exactly. and handing out the other things that, okay, I should be focusing on. Okay. I get off the training and, but these three things are the most important Then these two things and yeah. these one thing. So now what to you is the most important function for you now that you have these people and systems yeah. in place? Yeah, that's a great question. So now I, I pretty much live and, and die by, um, by the data that those teams generate. So looking at our satisfaction ratings and client services, looking at our sales pipeline, looking at um, how frequently we're contacting existing clients, looking at how our marketing campaigns are doing. So that based on what the data says, I can turn my attention towards where I think I can be helpful. So, hey, this looks like it's working. How do we do more of this? This looks like it's not working. How do we stop doing more of that? Um, so, so for me, that's really where I try to, to, to spend my time. Yeah, I get it. You go in there and whatever needs attention, whatever needs troubleshooting, you go in and yeah. you help. Um, I'm wondering what's the meeting frequency look like? Cause I'm imagining you're, there's a lot of data, especially with the business you have, and you probably have to consume a lot of data to make decisions. Yeah. What is the, that the meeting frequency with the leadership team or other people at the company look like? We do a, uh, a weekly, um, leadership team meeting for so i oversee the business operations side of the house and then the one of the co-founders oversees the delivery team so that's like the product development the engineering the ui um uh, uh qa stuff like that so i meet with the leadership team from my side of the house once a week um and the way we do it is like just put everything that you want to say in an email we get together at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays, we all read the list and then we ask questions. So we try to make it very efficient. Like don't read the email, put it in, put it in, in, a, in a Google doc. We're going to read it and ask questions. We do that once a week. Um, and uh, then I'll have one-on-ones with people that, that, you know, I manage. So like the leaders of each of those teams every week. And, uh, and then we just, you know, touch base throughout the week as needed. I love it. Um, it's a, I hate it's, meetings. I should say that I hate meetings. That's so that's that's really where that comes from. I hate just sitting to meet to meet. So right. It's like if, right. If it's a productive meeting, it's great. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Middle school principal. So third grade teacher. Yep. Now you transition to middle school principal. What mm -hmm. what's a story that sticks out? I don't know if you can top the, the ice cream sundae story. Honestly, that was a great story. Um, as a middle school, middle school principal and what you learned to that you take as your role as COO? Um, what I learned most is that um, even if I have the best intentions, for, I have a better story for you. End of the school day, I go out, watch the kids got on the bus, the friendly waves to parents. Everyone's good. All right. Come back to my office and the red light on my phone is flashing. Like boom, boom. I'm like, all right, the message. First message. Uh, Dr. Westman, uh, if you could give me a call, I uh, understand what you're doing, but I have a problem with it. Okay. Next message. Dr. Westman, I just want to say thank you. I love what you're doing. And if you could just keep, okay, so about 17 messages, okay? And I'm like, what the hell is this even about? I don't even know what did I do. 
Well, what I realized is it was anti-bullying week in the country. And what I thought was a good idea is at lunch, I'm going to assign kids where they're going to seat so that they can get to know other students in their grade who they may never sit with or have classes with. That was not a good idea. You have some parents who thought it was amazing. Other parents are like, that is my kid's time. How dare you tell my kids where they're going to sit lunch? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. So what I realized is that, is that as long as there's someone else in the room with me, there will be another adult who has a differing opinion or a different way of doing things. And what I learned about myself is when people don't like a decision that I've made, that does sting. Okay. Now that sting has worn off. I mean, I, you know, I've been in, in a leadership role since 2008. So whatever, it's 13 years. So I've made enough decisions that people don't like that. It doesn't, it doesn't sting as much anymore, but I think that's the biggest lesson I learned is, is when you're a teacher and the kid disagrees with something, it's all right. Well, you know, I'm the teacher when you're, when I was a principal, now I have teachers, parents, you know, you, you have adults who disagree and I wasn't used to that, you know. When you're a principal, you have thousands of, I mean, if there's thousands of kids and let's some are single parents, some have two parents, let's say you have, you know, 3000 now people that are yeah. calling you that are either going to agree or disagree. Let's say just half of them are going to disagree. So now you have yeah, 1500 yeah. people and every decision, they're not going to like what you right. do. Now, fortunately, not everyone, you know, uh, a lot of people, uh, not everyone calls. And I should say that um, I, I had a great experience, you know, um, and, but, but you're right. It's like, you're the only, when you're, when you're in a leadership role, there's things you're going to do that people like and things that people are not going to like. And that's just what it is. What was something, and, and I, I thought you were going to say, he, well, you know, putting out fires. I mean, you're getting just, kids, something happened with a kid in the classroom, mm -hmm. out of the classroom. What's some decision that you made that you remember, like you were, and you still think back and this was the right decision. This is the decision that should have been made, but it was the most controversial or caused the most stir with what you did. Maybe it was uh, something you assigned you know, a some, teacher or hired a teacher. I no, don't know. No, no. Um, I mean, I, who knows if it, yeah, fortunately I avoided didn't, I didn't get sucked into a lot of controversial issues, but one of the things I did is I, uh, that I remember some people were not, not thrilled about. And, uh, and then I was at a, is at a retirement party a couple of years ago, like years after I had left and they're like, Oh, you know what? We've turned the bells back on. So what I did is I, I turned off the bells in the school, you know, at the end of a period, like the bell rings, I turned them off. It was like, well, how are you going to know when class ends? Because like, you're going to look at the clock. And you know, the class ends at 1130. Well, how are we going to know the kids are on time to class? Like, cause you know, when your class starts and they're going to walk in. Uh, so that one I felt was good because it, it allowed people, uh, allowed classes to end naturally at the natural pause. So the teacher's in the middle of saying something and you have a bell go off. You, you remember middle school kids get up and they bolt. <laughs> so yeah. now it's just like, let's, we're people, let's just end the conversation. And then you go to your next class or they start packing up because they know the bell is going to ring. Yes. And, yeah. So I was trying to avoid that. Even, it's not even at the bell. It's yes. before the bell. That's what I was trying to avoid. I still think that was the right decision because the, the hallways were just chill. 
they were they were more chill, you know, because it wasn't what, like this what, what pushback did you get? From yeah, teachers and parents? No, not parents. The parents aren't even no. there. So they wouldn't oh, know. No. I think certain teachers liked it. Other teachers liked that, you know, there was a structure to the day and kind of, you know, the kids knew what to expect. And mm-hmm. um, but you know, we still did it and and people were cool with it. But then what I what then, you know, a couple of years back I'm at a retirement party and they're like, oh, you know, we have bells again. I thought that was kind of a a shot, you know, saying, Hey, you know, we didn't want to say it to you. We then, overturned but... you, Keith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So What's, who knows if that's majorly controversial, but that's funny. What about either the past company or this company that you made a decision that same thing, like turn all the bells off that maybe got some buzz or, or stirring, um, well, the last and, company and some time we, getting used to. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, in my last company changing commission structures with salespeople, that is always going to be a, the worst few days of your, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of work. Um, uh, well, Hey, I think a lot of companies are facing right now, um, big, big things that could ultimately become issues, which is once the world opens back up, do we go back to work? Like, what's that going to look like? So we had our office in the Google building in the West Loop. Um, we had a four-year lease. It ended August of 2020. So after COVID, we just let it expire. And we were like, let's see how things shake out afterwards. And now we're at the point in time. It's like Chicago's opening back up. Now we have a lot of remote employees, but what do we want to do? Are we going to get an office? Are people going to have to come back to work? Um, as a company, what we have decided to do is we're going to get an office space. We don't need an office big enough for everyone, but it will be kind of like a coffee shop. Come in. It's a place where you can come in and work if you want to be around people. We'll have, you know, open seating or whatever. Um, but, you know, we're going to feel that out. Um, but, you know, I, I, I could see where, you know, there'll be some people who want people to come back every day, other people who don't want to come back. So, I anticipate that'll be something that will be, you know, that's the coming uh, decisions that we'll be going through. Can you expand a little bit about the commission structure piece? Um, how do you structure, how did you decide to structure the commission structure? Well, we and you, just, you don't have to share details you're not comfortable sharing. I'm just curious. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't you know. care. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't care. My dogs are freaking out right now. So my daughter's probably walking. Oh, no, she's not. I don't know what that is. Um, what, what we were doing is we were paying... So we were a software comp- software as a service company, um, and the salespeople were not only making commissions on the first year of the sales, but also every renewal year, even though our client services and support team owned the relationship in those renewal years. And so we wanted to end that. So we're going to increase commission in the first year and then remove the commission in the subsequent years, subsequent, subsequent years. Um, that went over like a lead balloon, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounded like you kind of factored some of it in by increasing it in the first year. It just, so it still wasn't going to work out. I mean, assuming a salesperson was going to, was going to be at, uh, at that company for a number of years, you start really making bank because they start adding up, you know, but what we realized is we're incent, we're incenting, we want to incent new sales. We want to send the sales team on new sales and send client services team on on retaining clients. Um, But hey, I was a principal. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. And that's what we did. You know what I'm saying? We did a commission structure that made sense to me as someone who had never worked at a company before. So 
Um, you know, I know there's but, a lot of factors in that, Keith, but what is the range now that you're experienced? If someone's like, you know, I want to put a commission structure in place for salespeople and, mm -hmm. and for client services, is there a percentage people should be thinking about when? I know it. Yeah, I don't know. It just depends. You know, I think it depends on like the size of, of contracts and things like that. Um, you know, our average, our average sale is, is like $25,000, you know, for a, for a school district, depending on their size. Um, if I'm a, if I'm selling something where our average deal size is a half a million dollars, you know, a 1% commission would be pretty sweet. A 1% commission on a $25,000 sale would be terrible. So, um, I think depending on deal size, yeah, yeah. you know, you always want, I, I think you want, I think more what, what you want to look at is, you know, what is the annual on target earnings for a salesperson? Where do you want them to be for that industry? So, you know, is it 200 grand? Is it 150 grand? Is it 500 grand? And then work backwards from, from there. Keith, first of all, thank you. I have one last question before we end yeah. this. And I want to just point people towards Otis. It's O-T-U-S.com. If you are a school district or if you are a principal, if you are a superintendent, you should check out Otis. Or if you are a parent and you're like, I just want to be communicated better, you know, then mention this to your school. Um, last question is um, favorite features um, that have been, you know, it could be an evolution of the features of Otis, but what are some of the fan favorite features and people get in like these are, this is game changing for a school and helping that school, you know, work with the students and parents. Um, so the ability to, for at least for Otis is there's this thing called standards based grading. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if our, I, I think it's, a little bit in place in the district where our kids go to school. But the idea is that you, um, that students are not given A, B, C, D, F. Uh, instead for math, it's like, here are the 10 things you need to know about math in this grade level. And here's how well you've mastered these different concepts. Um, uh, a lot of times when school districts roll that out, it's parents are, don't like it because it's not what they had when they were in school. So for us, what's the game changing feature? Um, Otis has the ability for teachers who, as they're giving their tests and assignments uh, to their students, students do the work, Otis grades it for them, and then organizes all of the results into this interactive gradebook that parents can like click on and explore and really understand how their kid is doing. So it's like, not only do I know how they're doing in math, but here's the skill they're supposed to learn. Mm. Here's how they did last time. And here's the question that they had to answer. So it's just that type of stuff. It's, uh, you know, for teachers, it's the ability to say, yeah, I'm going to give a test. I don't have to grade it and everything's going to be organized. So I can just take action with the data. Um, that's game changing for them, you know? Um, and then for parents, just the ability to understand what this whole new way of grading means. It's game changing for them. I feel like Otis allows parents to be the COO of their kids' education because yeah. It creates a granular look at what the child needs to do specifically. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. That's exactly right. It's like a holistic view. So it's like, what do they need to do specifically? We also know that we just don't want our kid to be great at math, but also misbehave and disrespectful. So we can also look at their behaviors and we can look at their strengths and their interests. It's like, let's, let's 
you know, everyone says, oh, you know, kids are more than data points. Well, kids are more than assessment data points. They're also data points about what they're interested in and data points about what they're passionate about and data points about how they like to learn. So they are more than data points. They're, they're humans, but we can look at a lot of different data points and really get to know someone. And that's what we want to do at Otis. Yeah. Keith, I want to be the first one to thank you. Everyone check out more episodes of the podcast. Check out Sweet Process. Check out Otis.com. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. Mm -hmm.